I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Hey listeners, this is Nick from Scripture Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, what did early Christians teach about the three degrees of glory? On February 16, 1832, Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon had a wondrous vision while they were engaged in the inspired translation of the Bible in Hiram, Ohio. That vision, since canonized as Doctrine and Covenants section 76, dramatically revealed that there were multiple levels of heaven, each with their own glory. This system of heaven was completely at odds with modern conceptions of heaven and hell. However, while it may have been new to 19th century Christians, one might wonder if such a doctrine was present in the earliest teachings of the Christian church. Significantly, as scholars have studied ancient texts, particularly those relating to ancient Judaism and Christianity, a similar picture to the one revealed to Joseph Smith emerges. Hugh Nibley was perhaps the first Latter-day Saint scholar to seriously demonstrate how ancient texts pointed to this tiered view of heaven. For example, he observed how Christian texts such as the Pistis Sophia described how the multiple heavens are beyond the veil. Furthermore, only the qualified can pass by one of these veils until finally they enter the presence of God. This doctrine was also closely connected to the premortality of man and entailed our return to our heavenly home from whence we came to earth. Comparisons between Joseph Smith's revelations on the three degrees of glory and early Christian teachings likewise show considerable similarities. The Lord revealed to Joseph Smith, for example, that the three levels of heaven were comparable in glory to the sun, moon, and stars, each relating to the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial kingdoms, respectively. These three kingdoms of glory would be inhabited by those who had lived the laws required to enter therein, with the greatest of all blessings being available in the celestial kingdom, where God dwells. A similar picture is found in Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. In his defense of the resurrection, Paul states that there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. In other words, just as there are differences in the physical bodies of mortal humans and animals, as discussed in verse 39, there are also differences between mortal bodies and resurrected bodies. Furthermore, Paul taught that just as there are differences between mortal and resurrected bodies, not everyone would be filled with the same glory in the resurrection. There is, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Many early Christians commented upon this verse, viewing it in terms of multiple glories in the resurrection. For example, John Chrysostom noted that although there is only one resurrection, there will be great differences of honor from one body to another, and that although they be all in God's kingdom, all shall not enjoy the same reward. 
Similarly, Origen taught that this verse referred to the great difference among those who rise again in glory. Origen likewise taught that the differing levels of heavenly glories related to one's ability to dwell with God. The first two groups consisted of saints and other righteous individuals. The most righteous are connected with the Father, being part of Him. And next to these are those who have come to the Savior and take their stand entirely in Him. A third group of resurrected people would consist of those who never repented of idolatry in their lives, and yet a fourth would be reserved for those who have fallen away not only from the good itself, but from the very traces of it. This description matches what was revealed to Joseph Smith. Those in the celestial kingdom would dwell in the presence of God and his Christ forever and ever. Those in the terrestrial kingdom would receive of the presence of the Son, but not of the fullness of the Father, while those in the telestial kingdom would not be able to receive either blessing. A fourth group who committed the unpardonable sin are also seen by Joseph Smith, who had denied the Holy Spirit after having received it, and having denied the only begotten Son of the Father, having crucified him unto themselves and put him to an open shame. Likewise, in Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, he mentions a time that he was caught up to the third heaven, where he heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Scholars have long noted that this vision is consistent with a wide variety of early Jewish and Christian sources, which note a visionary ascent to multiple levels of heaven, where they are taught things never to be shared with those who were not initiated into the same ordinances they had experienced. As such, Paul's reference to at least three heavens fits neatly into both an ancient Christian theology and the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Other New Testament texts were likewise influential in the early Christians' view of heaven. For example, hearkening back to the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, Irenaeus taught that there is this distinction between the habitation of those who produce an hundredfold and that of those who produce sixtyfold and that of those who produce thirtyfold. For the first will be taken up into the heavens, the second will dwell in paradise, the last will inhabit the city, and that was on this account the Lord declared, In my Father's house are many mansions. The spatial divisions of heaven into three distinct places based upon one's righteousness is likewise found in other early Christian texts, such as the Shepherd of Hermas or Apocryphon of John. While early Christians taught extensively about three levels of heaven, which Hugh Nibley observed was often connected with the doctrines of baptism for the dead and Christ's preaching in the world of spirits, Later generations of Christians came to reject such a robust plan of salvation. As Nibley observed, the whole doctrine, certainly an important one, has no place in the teachings of the later churches, ignorant as they were of the great plan of universal salvation. The Lord would not leave such an important doctrine lost to history, however. As he revealed his great plan of salvation to ancient prophets, he restored that knowledge to Joseph Smith in a dramatic vision. Similarly, all Latter-day Saints can experience a similar vision retold through the Temple Endowment, as we symbolically and ritually pass through the three heavens, 
are taught unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter outside of the temple, and finally symbolically enter the presence of God, just as was experienced by ancient prophets and disciples of Christ. Thank you for listening to this presentation from Scripture Central. For more information, please visit scripturecentral.org.